Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From pieces of Eden, solar flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby. You might also know me as She Cup, and I am one of your co-hosts for this show. Hey, and I'm Teacup. I'm your other co-host. So you may have noticed a few uh, changes around the Assassin's Creed Lorecast today. We do indeed have a new intro and outro music. I hope you enjoy it. We are super pumped about it. It was created by Pipe Man Studios. You may see Pipe Man hanging around the Discord occasionally. Um, But if you ever need any kind of podcast music, stream music, YouTube music, any kind of music for anything, definitely commission Pipe Man because he does an incredible job on um, an incredible, uh, you know, time schedule and like, I don't know technical things about like music creation. And so I just give him vibes basically. And he goes with it and creates something incredible, better than I could ever dream of. So um, shout out to Pipe Man Studios. He's amazing. And if you like our intro music, definitely let us know and let Pipe Man know because it's great and we love it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you to Pipe Man. All right. Well, getting into the show a little bit today, we are going back into some topics, some lore topics we have been for all of 2023, which it's now February. So for a whole month, we've been talking about characters. We've been doing two character deep dives. So we did a character deep dive on Ezio. 
um, most recently. And then we, before that, we did a character deep dive on Eivor. Um, and both of those took two episodes. I think we could have even split the Ezio into three episodes. Um, but that's just me. It, there's just so much content about these characters. But today we're getting back into some of the last pieces of Eden um, you know, we're doing this follow-up series and we're coming to the end of the follow-up pieces of Eden series. So um, before we jump into the piece of Eden that we're talking about today, Austin, do you want to give the listeners just an idea of where we're going to go next on the show? So next, after we finish these pieces of Eden, we're going to be going into something that I am really excited about because it's something that even I, as the quote unquote lore master for this show don't know a lot about which is these specific assassin cells that operate in the modern day timeline which a lot of that will come from the comics which i'll be honest with you i have been reading a lot of the comics and kind of getting in on some of those cells and kind of things that have been happening around all of that um and so that has been really exciting for me and i'm very excited for that next kind of stint there so you mentioned the comics. Um, I have had a comic book that I got at McKay's on my nightstand for like a month that is an Assassin's Creed comic book. So you've mentioned you've read a few. Can you tell us which ones you've read and if you enjoyed them? Um, well, I can tell you that I have enjoyed all of them. I have read uh, Assassin's Creed Assassins Volume 1 and 2, which is Trial by Fire and The Setting Sun. I have read Assassin's Creed The Chain and Assassin's Creed The Fall, all which kind of take place during um, The Chain. And The Fall is, if you remember our episode on the Russian Revolution with Nikolai Orlev, that's his story is in those comics. And then the Assassin's Creed volumes kind of follow the story of Charlotte de la Cruz who we talked about a lot around our Juno episodes. And so they kind of follow her induction into the assassins. And so that's been really fun. Awesome. Well, I, I, for one, am really looking forward to getting into some of these more modern day cells. Um, Cause I feel like that's something we know less about. So anyway, all of that to say, let's get into our topic today. So before we get started, I want to issue a major spoiler warning. I know that Valhalla has been out for a while, but again, this episode is going to have major, major, major spoilers for Valhalla. If you haven't played the game, either stop listening or be okay with spoilers, I guess. Um, so if if you are listening to this and you get upset later on that we gave you a spoiler, um, you can't get mad at me because this is your warning. <laughs> All right. So we are talking about Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil, or the world tree. I will probably refer to it as the world tree from this time on because it's It's not fair to let you all listen to me stumble upon trying to pronounce all these words. So the world tree in mythology, in Norse mythology, was this colossal or huge ash tree that was said to connect all nine realms together via its root system. Sorry, I know we have literally been one sentence into the lore so far, but I have a question. In Valhalla, how many... Of the nine realms, can we go to? Four. Okay, so what are those realms? And do you know, like, all nine? 
Not off the top of my head, no. But we go to Jotunheim, we go to Asgard, we go to uh, Niflheim, and we go to... uh, It's a really, really hard word for me to say, but it's the realm of the fire giants. It's like, it's got a bunch of S's and V's and I can never pronounce it correctly. So I'm not even going to try. Okay, so I Googled it. (laughs) So there's Asgard, Vanaheim, Mm -hmm. Alfheim, Midgard, Jotunheim, um, Muspelheim, Svartalfaheim, Niflheim, sometimes called Hell, and then Nidaveller. Mm-hmm. those are the nine yeah so um midgard is obviously our realm where the night where that of nine realms midgard um the spalt Burheim or whatever that is the realm of the dwarfs i believe and nidavire is similar to that uh Niflheim is obviously um sometimes also called helheim or hell and then vanaheim jotunheim and a lot of the other ones um, have to do with the various giants and elves live in there. Muspelheim or whatever is where the fire giants live. Yeah, so Spartalheim is where the black elves come from. Uh, the Nita Veller is where the dwarves come from. And then this um, Muspelheim is um, the realm of fire. Yeah, the fire giants. Fire giants, yeah. You said that. Yeah. Um, which for, you know, if we want to talk about Thor, um, the last one you say where the dwarves come from, that's the star where Stormbreaker is made. Um, okay, in okay. Infinity War. Muspelheim or whatever is where Thor is in the beginning of Thor Ragnarok with Surtur. Okay, so then... Okay, let's just go through the rest of them because now I'm curious. Okay. So Asgard is like their heaven where the gods live right the realm of the aesir which is a specific branch of norse gods so then vanaheim is where the other gods live which are the vanir yes and they hate each other well they're rivals okay so then alfheim is where the light elves are from Mm -hmm. Uh, midgard is of course earth and then Jotunheim is frost giants. Frost giants. Okay, I think we've covered it all. Onring. So the world tree can, in mythology, connects all of those together, and it is said that you can pass into the nine realms through the world tree. And then in some in some mythologies, you have the Bifrost, which will transport you to all the nine realms from Asgard. So. In AC Valhalla, because this is an Assassin's Creed podcast, not a Norse mythology podcast, um, we do see the roots of the tree in both the Jotunheim and Asgard arcs. Um, especially when we go to Jotunheim, we like see the tr- the roots above us, which is really interesting to me. If you c- complete the Animus glyphs or glitches, I forget what exactly they're called, but they're side activities in AC Valhalla, you can see the world tree not through North mythology, like figuring you get a vision of it, of is actually happening. 
with like all the fancy isu tech and around there too um the fun fact about the world tree the world tree is located in the grand temple and is theorized to be where juno hid before desmond freed her so and and though the world tree we know is used to create norse sages there is the added component in ac valhalla of the mead which is something that like prepares them for that moment but as we'll learn the seventh method of salvation is the world tree it is not like some mead or something it is this world tree which is like this basically what it ends up being is this supercomputer that can store your essence and then redistribute it across the eons and timeline into like the human genome or whatever so it's not really salvation it's not something that really saves you from anything it allows you to live on um in, but in, a, in in like in permanence not in the afterlife correct uh-huh. so i guess when we think about salvation when i think about salvation i think about something that's associated with our lives after we die right like with your soul and that's not really what this is about no, it's about sal- the seventh method of salvation is about salvation from the world ending world flare from Ragnarok. So a little bit of its history during the Isu human war, the Capitoline triad, which we know as Jupiter, Juno and Minerva, developed what they called the seventh method of salvation. This was the world tree, which was a supercomputer designed to store Isu essence and then reincarnate in the human gene pool across the eons. However, only the nine Aesir, nine of the Aesir, only nine Isu, which are Odin, Tyr, Loki, Freya, Heimdall, Thor, Sith, Frey, and Udin. They're the only ones to successfully upload their essence. And Loki wasn't even supposed to do that. But as we know, Loki is... A master at doing things he's not supposed to be doing. Um, So why is it just the nine Aesir that were able to get into this? Because they're the only ones that Odin shared the secret with. And that's just because he is trying to be secretive? Or is there like a lore reason for that? It's just Odin being Odin. It's the only ones who share and actually end up surpassing that. So of these all that do that, we know... We know that these nine Isu survive the Great Catastrophe. We know that Jupiter and Minerva survive the Great Catastrophe and that Juno also survives it in a way. Um, None of which of them have physical bodies. So we have seen, of the nine, we have seen the reincarnations of Odin, Tyr, Loki, Freya, and Thor. I can tell you, I'll tell you. Again, heavy volo sports. Obviously, Odin is there with Eivor. Tyr is Sigurd, Eivor's foster brother. Loki is obviously Basim. Freya is um the mother of the seer of the Raven clan. And then Thor is Hafton the Black. And I believe Guthrum is supposed to play one too, but I can't remember so i guess my question is um do we see we see 
I personally have not heard of all of these um, in the game so far. So I'm, I guess I'm just saying that that's new to me. Yeah, it's kind of impl- it's never really stated except for Odin, Tyr, and Loki. Um, but it's heavily implied, especially when you uh, interact with Hafton in um, the basically the Jorvik and um, Northumbria arcs of Valhalla. It's heavily implied. And so then after this, the world tree is largely forgotten until about the ninth century when Eivor Wolfkiss discovers the world tree with her foster brother Sigurd. Uh, the pair would experience a Valhalla simulation and would battle Basm after escaping it and end up trapping Basm in the simulation. Obviously, when Desmond is in the Grand Temple, he doesn't discover the world tree at all. Uh, Layla Hassan would discover the world tree and eventually die there while attempting to stop the magnetic pole crisis of 2020. And yes, because on top of COVID in the Assassin's Creed universe, you also have a magnetic pole crisis. Basically, what has happened is that the machine that Desmond activates to save from the solar flare never gets turned off. That's terrible. But here's my question. Um, is it confirmed that COVID exists in the Assassin's Creed universe? Yes. How? There, there is an email between Layla Hassan and her brother where she says, don't worry, I don't have COVID. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Um, going back a little bit. So Isu Solar Flare, the mm-hmm. catastrophe, is Ragnarok. Correct. So I guess my question is, how does Yggdrasil survive Ragnarok? It's in the Great Temple. Everything in the Great Temple survives. Which, you know, like this does kind of pair up with Norse mythology, because even though Ragnarok is the death of the gods, they are said to be reincarnated later after Ragnarok. Like that's in the mythology. As what? What do they get reincarnated into? Like that they will return, basically. It's that moment of hope that exists in the end times in Norse mythology. I didn't know that about (laughs) Norse mythology. So that is news to me. Yeah, it's probably not a constant throughout. But you know, you know how like Greek and Norse mythology is like, it depends on what era of those cultures you're talking about, what story is prevalent and stuff. Sure. Well, before we get too off topic, would now be a good time for our break. Yes, I just have one other thing to share about the history. Heavy, heavy AC Valhalla stories. Spoilers? Spoilers, spoilers. Heavy spoilers, like big warning for you. It is implied that Desmond is in the world tree. Wow. And so with that implied, it's who Layla interacts with. And when she interacts with him, it is heavily implied that both of them are working together because there is going to be another crisis that they have to prevent. Both Layla and this and him are working together within the world tree. So I'm going to be really honest right now. I took out my headphones when you started talking about this because I didn't want to get the spoilers. Um, but that's really fascinating. The part that I did hear. Um, I hope that our listeners think that that's funny because didn't want to be spoiled. <laughs> I hope that they find that. I really, I kind of respect that. Uh, you can give me bad reviews. I don't particularly care. Um. So now is a good time to go to the break, Austin? Yeah, let's do it. 
Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Malaka! 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 I get the sense you two are ill-fit for whatever it is you're plotting. <laughs> this one takes us for a fool, brother. We sons of Ragnar have this well under control. No, we do not. Sons of Ragnar. I know of many. But never have I heard of dull and duller. All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we talk about all of the things that have to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. So the first thing I have to mention is that if you love our podcast, if you love our show and want to support us, the best way to support us is to do so financially via our Patreon. And we have a link to our Patreon in every episode in the episode description. You can also go to patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast, and we will be there. Um, you can join us at a lot of different tiers, as low as five US dollars, all the way up to like a hundred. So um, there are definitely lots of different ways that you can support us. But if you can't support us financially, the next best way to do so is to leave us a five star rating or review. And so you can leave us a review with words and five stars on Apple iTunes, or you can just leave us a rating with numbers on Spotify. Now, if you do leave us a five-star rating, we will read it out loud on the show. And I do have one to read today. And this one comes from Evan H. And he says this. Hey, Shelby and Austin, I literally discovered this podcast on Monday, and I'm already caught up in less than five days. I'm loving this show. Assassin's Creed has been a part of my life since the original game came out when I was a kid. To take such deep dives with both of your perspectives is very educational and entertaining. I'd love to see an episode dedicated to my favorite character, Desmond. Have an incredible day, guys. P.S. We work in the dark to serve the light. Thank you so much, Evan. We are so thankful for um, your time to leave us a review you and some kind words. So thank you so much for listening to the show. The next thing I have to tell you about is our Discord server. It's a popping off place. It's the best place on the internet. I always say that. Um, we have a lot of people now. We are just always talking about games of all kinds, sharing funny memes, being ridiculous, laughing at funny emojis, all kinds of stuff. So you should definitely come over there and join the fun. You don't want to miss it. And then the last thing that we're here to discuss is my playthrough. Right, Austin? Yeah. So um, as Austin knows, I have now completed Assassin's Creed Liberation. I um, We were laughing about this earlier in the week before the show, and it, we were literally months. Like I was like, oh, I'm playing um, Revelations. Like it's all of the Ezio trilogy. Like it took me forever. Um, and then I started playing Assassin's Creed 3. And I have been playing Assassin's Creed 3 probably for three months. And then now like one episode, I finished Assassin's Creed 3. In the very next episode, I'm like, hey, I finished the next game. Um, so I'm now on to Assassin's Creed Black Flag. And to be honest, I have not gotten even out of the intro yet. So this is a, a very recent development. I think you'll find that Black Flag will move fairly quickly. It is a large game, but you're not looking to 100%. Just get the main story points. Um, but the combat is almost shot for shot, re like on par with um, 3 and Liberation. So there's not going to be a big learning curve. I think part of with 
Assassin's Creed 3 that took you so long is that it was so different from the Ezio trilogy in combat and how it worked. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I am nervous, though, because the thing that has always been hard for me with video games is I, I do not have the best vision. And so it's sometimes really hard for me to see things in video games. Like when I played um, Mass Effect Andromeda, I played that game for maybe 45 minutes before I gave up because I I couldn't see anything, especially like all of my like um, like stats and stuff on the sides of the screen. And so um, I'm just nervous that ship combat is going to be hard for me because of the the vision aspect. It was hard for me in um, three. It was it was a little hard for me in Origins, too, um, just because it's. It's hard, I think, for developers to make it realistic enough with the boats and the sun and the water and then also, like, differentiate enough to where you can see past your ship. So I'm just afraid that that's going to be hard for me um, because my vision sucks. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. My only option, my only advice to you is uh, sit closer. I am not sitting six inches away from the screen like a kindergartner watching cartoons on Saturday morning. It's just not happening. I'm just not doing it. Well, no, I'll tell you in harder games, like, okay, so like I can play like most Star Wars games and like other heavy RPGs like Dragon Age. I can lay down in the bed and everything. But if I get up into those from software games, uh, like Elden Ring or Sekrio, where I have to like really pay attention to what's going on, I'm sitting up. Like I am like ready to go, like paying attention. So that's fair. I, I will say there have been many a time that I came home from work um, and you were like already home because this was back when you're when you had your old job and you would get off at like two o'clock and I wouldn't be home until four or five. And I would come home and he would be standing, standing up in the living room, maybe a foot away from the TV, just like screaming at the TV. And I'm like, what is happening here? Because you were playing Sekrio. I love that game. Okay. I just want you to know that I love I do. that game. I do know that. But um, let's talk about Liberation for a little bit because I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I loved Abilene. I think she was a great main character and I really wanted them to explore her a little bit more. Um, and and her relationship with her mom and dad too. I, I had some really interesting reflections and just I really enjoyed that game a lot. Um, and I also like I've lived in New Orleans, so I loved the setting. I've also lived in the bayou. And and so it's it's a place that has a piece of my heart. So of course I connected to it in that way too. But I just really liked it. And I think my takeaway is that I wished it was a main title. Um, I wished that it had been like given the full force of marketing that all of the other games have gotten. Um, I wish I wish that Aveline could have the attention that Ezio or even Claudia or Connor or anybody else could have gotten to. Yeah. Um, it has been a long time since I have played Liberation. So I kind of got to like do it a second time by watching you play the snippets that you did. Uh, I remember liking it. Um, it's hard to like really like, cons I don't consider it in a lot of ways. I don't consider it a main game or like a, 
a major release with things. So I didn't include it in my playthrough that I'm doing it. Uh, mainly so that I could be really ahead of you. So I wouldn't <laughs> have to worry about us playing the same games. I wanted to get through Unity and Syndicate before you got to them because you can't have multiple saves on that oh, one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Respect. I respect that. I think you should replay it. Um, it was also really funny because literally this is set in the 1700s and I'm like playing it the first day and Austin comes home from work and he's like, oh, you're playing Liberation. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. And he's like, because he knew I lived in New Orleans and he's like, so is it accurate to the city? And I'm like, Austin, this is the 1770s. I have no idea if it's accurate or not. It's not accurate to, to 2014 New Orleans. That's for sure. Cause we have interstates. Listen, okay. I just wanted to know. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious and I had to share, but no, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was refreshing because I felt like the missions were not overly long and that it was um, bearable and like, I didn't feel like I was accomplishing nothing. I, I have felt like that before, but I think that my criticisms of liberation, like it is, it is pretty buggy and I know that it's a port. Um, and I think that you can tell that a little bit, um, which is fine. Like it didn't bother me that much, but there were a couple times where it crashed on me. And so that was kind of disappointing, but um, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. You can definitely tell with like some of the interfaces stuff that it was not made for like a major console gaming yeah. thing. Yeah. I will also say I, I really hope in the future Assassin's Creed goes away from choosing the gender of the companions or of the, of the main character, because I feel like, I feel like we need more canon female protagonists um, in this game series. Like Aveline's the first one. And so I just want to see more of that. I would even be satisfied with more things in the style of syndicate, where we have both of them, but we switch or even origins too with both Bayek and Iowa Aya. But yeah, I think, I think we need more um, female main characters, main protagonists. I tend to agree with you. I want to go back to like, this is a historical game with a historical perspective. And so this is about, I wish that inclusive was let's tell a story about a female or person of color person who did there not let's give them an option to be whatever they want mm -hmm. yeah and like there are and were women that existed in history um just like now um and like i it's hard to imagine that the entire assassin's order was you know, a bunch of men, a bunch of white men, even not that there's anything wrong with white men. Um, but I think it's important to tell other stories. Mm, yeah. And, you know, there's evidence that, you know, women were the ones who bankrolled a lot of, you know, underground movements. Um, I'll tell you right now, as a biblical scholar, there's evidence that women, noble women, were bankrolling Jesus in his ministry. Um, and so it's highly likely that the women, the no nobility of the women, were bankrolling the assassins throughout history. Yeah, that's fair. 
Well, um, this is kind of off topic. So let's get back into our lore content, unless you have anything else to add in the middle of the show. No, I don't. Let's get back into it. All right. Me, Haytham. I come in peace. Why are you speaking so slow? Sorry. What? Um, I, I was told you could train me. No. Go away. I'm not leaving. Yanka! Yanka! Is everything all right? What do you think? Look at this place. I'm poor Bianca. If something's happened to her. Aha! Oh, my darling. Thank God you're all right. Ezio, meet Bianca. Bianca, Ezio. Charmed. So, now let's get into what this thing can actually do. Which you'll find out that it can do a lot. It's probably the scariest piece of Eden. And I know I like say that every time we talk about a piece of Eden, but I think this one really takes the cake. So buckle up. Yggdrasil, or the World Tree, is an ancient Isu supercomputer, which can best be described as the Isu's version of the Animus technology. Uh, the supercomputer is engineered with a bunch of advanced abilities which include these three things, four things, essence containment, reincarnation, simulation, and biological preservation. All right. Are you ready? See, see you're making that face because it's scary. I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So this is like very, very much on the fiction side of science fiction. So you real scientists out there, you can tell me what's like actually plausible, like based on scientific theory. But my guess is that this is very heavily on the science fiction side of science, on the fiction side of science fiction. So essence containment allows someone to upload and preserve their consciousness into the world tree. So this happens two, one of two ways. The first is by sitting one of an energy core powered chairs surrounding the table, which holds the computer's processing tower in the center. After powering up the chairs and donning a faceplate, and a small a small arm extends from the chair's head and takes a genetic sample of the user's from the user's neck, then feeds it into the four pods containing individual human fetuses that hang from the computer. Do you remember the Matrix? Um, can we go back to the fact that you said there are fetuses hanging yes. from the computer? Yeah, individual human fetuses. Yikes. I'm uncomfortable. Um, let's I just want to remind you that in the Isu era, humans were slaves and were were property. And so they were treated as property. Yes, I remember that, but it is still not good. There's another method, which involves being physically entered into the world tree via one of its branches or arms. Um, 
as we've seen with Layla, when she tries to use the world tree to upload their, their psyches to spend eternity inside the computer simulations. And we'll talk about their simulations in a little bit. So the world tree is able to then reincarnate the individuals. Basically, they reincarnate the psyche stored in it as humans across the globe. As of 2020, the World Tree successfully managed to reincarnate all nine Isu who used the device, all of whom who could be identified by a black spot on their necks. Um, it is unknown whether the World Tree had any part to play in Aida's reincarnations, given the fact uh, that another person had successfully entered her Isu, her psyche into Yggdrasil, is never discussed whether she herself was possible the possibility to reincarnate like other Isu. This is a character from the comics. What I think happens is it stores these fetuses and brings them through full gestation and um, then they basically pass on their genes throughout the world. That's horrific. Like, I, I really do think that that's the worst thing I feel like the Isu have ever done. That they attach themselves to other humans? No, no. That they use fetuses to power this device. It's not that they... that the, they're, they're not drawing upon the fetuses to power the device. But they're using the fetuses like DNA and all of this stuff to make it work. Right. I mean, it's basically the world tree op operates as an artificial womb and the world tree is then all using basically gene therapy to alter the genomes of these potential humans. Okay. Well, that's less bad than I was imagining, but I, I still really don't like it. This is one of the reasons why Minerva and Jupiter decide to abandon this method. Because they are afraid that too much tampering with the human genome will have adverse effects on the world. And so they were not willing to pursue another this method of salvation for all of the Isu because of the effect that it would have on humanity. They were more willing to like not involve humanity at all in their methods of preservation. I just, I'm unwell. I am unwell. <laughs> I didn't, so, I, I have to add, I just, I wasn't emotionally prepared for this one. <laughs> I don't think. I, um, I feel like you're right that this one is the worst. So the, the World Tree creates powerful simulations similar to the technology used by the Animus. Sean Hastings says that it appeared to have been used to generate and explore possible futures, alternative realities, and counterfactual stories. This shows that the Isu could use the world tree to effectively utilize the calculations. It also had branches which could be used to hook the user into the computer and use its simulation functions. BASM took advantage of being hooked into one of the branches to thoroughly study the calculations. The tree could also be used to create the simulations of Valhalla 
and experienced first by uh, Slava and later by Sigurd and Eivor, uh, themselves the reincarnations of Tyr and Odin, respectfully. So this has big implications. So we talked about the eye, if we remember a couple years back, which was used to make calculations. This is like the eye on steroids. That right. it is basically not only can it see like into the future and pre- and predict the future, it can show possible futures. So like if we're going into kind of multiverse theory, like let's take a point. It shows a future if, you know, you and I got married and it shows that future and then it shows a future on if we never got married. Does it show you the like probability of of what will happen? Like, if you make this choice, then you're more likely to end up this route or like, how far does this go? In theory, it does. And that's part of the reason of Layla and our mystery person that I told later to the listeners, but you didn't hear, are working on is they are working at different calculations. And one of the points that Layla brings up for their calculations is what if the world isn't saved in 2020 or 2012? So what if Desmond doesn't sacrifice himself? Here's a question. Do you think that this brings in the possibility of time travel or multiverse theory into Assassin's Creed? Yes. What do you think of that? I think that I hope that it doesn't happen and that it's something that's avoided. But it's already been hinted at in that, if you remember, let's go way, way, way back in the podcast to episode one with the Animus. It was theorized that the way Layla's animus could work is that her animus could allow the user to influence the um, course of history and change the past. And I think that's because the animus is highly based on um, the world tree. I don't like that either. I just don't like this thing. (laughs) Um, And then biological preservation is the last um, thing and so the branches could hold a user's comatose body intact for extended periods of time long after natural death and decay should have occurred um in 2020 basm's unresponsive body was still whole after being connected to the world tree for over a thousand years with whatever uh minor decay vanishing when the staff of hermes regenerated him back to life so the this is important. The world tree generates an enormous amount of radiation. And the device that powers the Scott, like that saves the world in 2012, also generates an enormous amount of radiation. So much that when Layla comes to this, she's dead within seconds. Once the staff is dropped from her, she's dead within seconds there's a lot that goes on there um and it's built up for a long time for for example like avor and sigurd are able to walk around just fine but layla deals with her own radiation so that's it and so the last thing that i want to talk about is this possibility of this thing coming back and what implications it's going to have um I think we have a high likelihood of this thing playing a larger role in Assassin's Creed, specifically since we know that Mirage is going to follow the story of Basm. And I 
if I had to guess, I don't think we're going to get a modern day story with with Basm. I think we're going to get Loki memories. That's really interesting. Yes. I totally see that though. I was going to say and it'll be like their way to to test out whether or not they want to keep doing a historical. Right. Um, I think that we might get a little bit of modern day solely based on the last chapter and its inclusion of William Miles in it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that it'll be interesting. I think I think we've written Basm as kind of like an anti-hero or villain or someone with, you know, questionable motives. But, you know, I think that in a lot of ways he works against people who want to keep humanity subservient to the Isu. And so it'll be interesting to see if Basm really ends up being like a trickster double crosser or if he's just misunderstood. Um, Yeah, I guess my thought on that would be like, it's Loki. He's a sage of Loki. So he both is not as bad as you think and not as good as you want him to be. Right. Um, Oh, that should be a solace. Not as bad as you think, not as good as you want him to be. That's fair. Um, but I do think it's funny that both of these games that are coming out soon for our two franchises are going to be um, based with characters based off of Loki. Trickster gods. Trickster gods. That's fair. I agree. All right. Um, do you have any last thoughts? Because that's all I got. All right. I don't think I have anything else other than the fact that I don't like this one. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We will see you next time. listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. Find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light.
when a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts. Podcasts.